I don't know anything better than letting the devil and everybody else know God is in authority here and the language of authority is clapping. So we're gonna clap our shouts and we're gonna clap our dance and we're gonna clap our praise God, skin on skin, letting everybody know God and we are in authority here. Hallelujah. All right. Well, grab a Bible. Grab a Bible. I do have a word for you today. Today. So get ready. Are you ready? All right. You at home? You ready? How many of you that are here today, four weeks ago, were watching at home? Yeah, thank God. Or on your cell phone or in your car or while you were doing your breakfast or whatever. Well, we still have multiplied tens of thousands doing that right now. In fact, our online audience over the last 17 weeks has almost quintupled five times larger than even Dominion camp meetings online. So God, God is still on the increase. Amen. Amen. So we bless all of you. We're going to the book of Romans. I want to do a study on the book of Romans and take you all the way through the book, verse by verse. It, it is for sure one of the richest, uh, richest books of your Bible for mining. And, uh, but I'm gonna get started this Wednesday night, as you heard, and I want you to tell everybody online. And by the way, just cause I have some folks in front of me today does not mean that I'm gonna keep talking if you stop commenting, because I am an audience participation preacher. So get on there right now, tell me where you're from. Shout amens on there. Don't put anything negative on there because we don't have any time for that. Social media is like prophecy. It should be used for these things. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. And if your comments aren't that, why just write them down on a piece of paper where only you can see them. Because we're here to be encouraged. We're here to be lifted up. We're here to magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you have your Bible right there, Romans chapter five, I'm gonna be on Wednesday night taking an entire study of end time prophecy, not just the book of Revelation, but end time prophecy. And you do not want to miss the very first message this coming Wednesday night on the final letter the revelation of Jesus Christ. But today, I wanna to talk to you about something entirely different. Yesterday was the 4th of July. Thank God for America. And I am going to bring a message today that simply says, scars and stripes. I thought about it a little later. I thought maybe I should have put forever at the end of it scars and stripes forever. Romans chapter five, 
and we'll begin reading with verse number eight. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have received the atonement at one mint. Do you understand that you are as righteous right now as you are ever going to be through eternity? You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now holiness, that's a whole other situation. I want to point out to us on the subject of scars and stripes, I want to draw our attention as we did last week to that angry, mean, biting beam called Calvary. And I want us to pay specific and total attention. Let us make our posture today as though we were among that group of people who historically and locally were situated at the time and in the place to see the events of Golgotha, the place of skull, transpire before our very eyes. While we're there, let us pay particular attention to the seven utterances or the seven things that Jesus declared from his hanging position on that rugged tree. We are, of course, during the atonement, we are made aware once again of the four pillars or the four horns of the altar in the outer court. There, Isaiah referenced all four in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse five, which says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. I like to do it this way. He was wounded for my transgressions. Let's say that together right there where you are. Comment that. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised. Do you remember last week? I taught you and preached to you the price that Jesus paid when he was made sin for us. Wounded for my transgressions, another altar horn, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement on the back corner of my peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Can we clap a praise to God for the atonement? Now let's dig a little deeper. I like to show the mass singer. That's kind of what y'all look like today. The mass singer. And, uh, and the, the kids and I, we are always debating on who's behind that mask. And to tell you the truth, Austin is a genius at it, and Ashton is not far behind. 
I get one right about twice a season, but, but it's a great show and it's a lot of fun. And I want to, you know, when they, one of them was a rabbit, so the crowd did this, you know, in support of them. And I forget some of the others, but they all had some little hand motion to go with it. So we're gonna, we're gonna add a little hand motion today. Are you ready? I said, oh, you ready? Okay, everybody just go like this. And then go like this, because we're gonna dig a little deeper. Anybody ready to go to Calvary and dig a little deeper? Come on, anybody ready to go to Calvary and dig a little deeper? How many of you think if we pay particular attention, we can learn things today we've never known? Let's start with those stripes, those stripes. You know, I don't know about you, I used to get my legs, my grandmother would n could do what she called nettle my legs. Anybody ever had your legs nettled? Uh, a few of you from the South. Uh, anybody have to go cut your own switch? Oh yeah, that's how I learned to use a pocket knife. Just, just go out there and cut your own switch. Now I tried, you know, I tried to go out there and find a tree that was, didn't have much life in it and, and snap off one of those dead ones because they didn't have much power to nettle. And my grandmother sent me back out there. She said, now you get one of those when you hold it at one end, the other end falls down. Good limber one, nice and green. And she, I don't know that she ever did do it, Sometimes the threat is motivation enough. <laughs> and she'd get that thing and she'd go like that with it. And I'd see that little end of it just whipping back and forth. And I, I think how that would sting on my legs. And all of a sudden I was the best boy on my whole street. I promise you that. Those were not, but if you got nettled or you get out in the nettles, some of you don't know what those are either. They're kind of like briars. If you get out in the nettles, they'll make little marks all over you. And while I was contemplating this, as I took myself back to that angry, mean, biting beam to, to gaze there, to ponder its meaning, this great illustrated message of God to all of our hearts, I thought about that. Those were not welts on his skin that some insect could have caused. No, sir, those were deep and gaping wounds from his flesh being literally torn away from his bones. That was only a portion of the unfathomable price the Lamb of God paid to purchase your redemption and mine. The Word of God goes to great, great length to make this absolutely clear, the Lord Jesus still at this moment seated at the right hand of glory beside his father, still in this moment bears his scars as proof that on his rugged rail he paid the awful price in full. Thomas it was, who said, I, I can't believe that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead until I see him. So Jesus went to him and he drawed back his side 
And he said to doubting Thomas, here is the physical proof. Our resurrected king very graciously came to him and revealed the scars in his hands, the laceration in his side where that Roman soldier had thrust that mean spear. The Lord of glory still bears those scars today. Zechariah 13, 6 assures us, if someone asks, speaking of Jesus, if someone were to ask, Zechariah said, if someone would ask the living Christ, what are these scars on your body? Listen closely to the prophetic reply of our Canaan king. He declared, I was struck in my own house by my very close friends. How are you treating your friends? Are you allowing the whispering of the mob and the demented crowd to separate you from those whom you have loved, those beside whom you have worshiped, those who you reached out to and who reached out to you in your time of need simply because you are not paying attention to kingdom over culture. Last words are very, very important, aren't they? Very, very important. Stripes were laid upon him that paid the awful price for our salvation. Spirit, soul, and body. Scars are there that prove that yet today, I wish I had half a church, that price has been paid in full. Let's begin with statement, a statement from Louis B. Mayer because last words are important. Louis B. Mayer said that wealthy movie studio mogul whispered on his deathbed, nothing matters, nothing matters. I spoke to you last week about what matters most. Would you take just a brief moment of your time here in worship today, there where you are watching today, will you take a moment and ask yourself, what matters most? I can tell you that I've laid upon the bed of affliction on my back for two solid years Pray for me this week. I have to get a COVID test tomorrow. And then I had to be quarantined until Thursday because on Thursday, they're gonna go down in there and look for my five-year cancer-free appointment. People are trying again to shut me up. You'd think they'd learn. 
My voice will be silenced when God Almighty deems. But what matters most? What is the most important thing in your life? Who else gave their life for you? Who else was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities? Whom else bore the chastisement of your peace? And by who else's stripes are you healed? There's one thing that is important. He is the Lord of glory, the Prince of peace, the I am that I am, and it is kingdom over culture, regardless of how loud the culture screams to the contrary. I'm talking to you about last words. When I was on what many would have liked to have become my deathbed, I can tell you, I did a lot of soul searching on what was most important. And I began to understand that the things that were taking the time of my mind and the time of my heart were not the things that mattered most. The devil wants to keep us distracted dismantled and divided. Good luck. We found some verses in our Bible where there's so ever two or three of us are gathered together. There he is in the midst also. One chases a thousand, two puts 10,000 to flight, three chase a hundred thousand and four a million. Let me talk about some, some last words. Gravely ill, the anti-Christian, boy, there are a lot of those going around today. They come under all sorts of names. Read, learn their agendas. Don't be fooled by a name. French philosopher Voltaire hated Christians. He hated religious liberty. But on his deathbed, there he lay begging like some kind of child to his doctor. Said he, I am abandoned by God and man. That's what a selfish life will get you. That's what a life apart from God will bring you. I am alone, said he, and abandoned by God and man. Voltaire cursed his physician. He said, I will give you up to the half of my worth if you will give me six more months to live. How sad a condition to be looking for a miracle from a man. When the doctor gave him no hope, Voltaire bitterly shouted, enraged, then I'll go to hell and you'll go with me. That great circuit riding preacher, I'd have made a good circuit riding preacher. I like horses. John Wesley's final words, look at the difference. The best of all is God is with us. Farewell, 
farewell. Oh, I want to live that kind of life. His brother Charles on his deathbed recorded these words, I shall be satisfied. In other words, regardless of what this world has to offer me, I will not be satisfied, but I will be satisfied. I wish I could hear you shout. I will be satisfied with your likeness. Satisfied, satisfied. Could you die today and shout, I'm satisfied. All right, now you at home, hold on, because I got folk in front of me today and they're egging me on. Satisfied. I'm satisfied. Woo! If I don't draw another breath, I'm satisfied. I have everything I want because I have him. So let's learn a bit. Let's learn a little bit from the words of Jesus. I'll have to go through them quickly. Can you hang on? Well, reach out there and grab a hold of the reins. Hold on, because we're going to dig. You ready to dig? See if there's an emoji that's dig. Elkhart. I've always had to believe I could hear your shout. Such tremendous things are going on there. I, I just can't even thank God enough for what he's doing. Mm. The first word, John 23, 34. I pray I can get past this first one, but it's a tall order. If there was ever a time in the history of the world that this statement needs to drop like an elixir for everything that ails us, it's right now. His loving lips uttered these first words. Father, forgive them. But it gets even better. It gets even more appropriate in modern culture because the continuation does not leave it with forgive them. He adds a riveting byline. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Under God, could we stop judging every word 
and every action to mean 10,000 things never intended for the express reason to add to our bitterness and our meanness and our unforgiveness. Yeah, but there is no tagline to I forgive you called yeah, but. There's no, I'm not sure that you mean it. How arrogant we've become. What mind readers we've become. The only thing that can judge the thoughts and the intentions of a man's heart is this book. Thy word, O Lord, is sharper than a two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is alone a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Oh, I don't have any intention of it. Thank you. Aren't you tired of trying to tippy-toe through the minefield of all of the haters? My mom used to say, if somebody wants to be mad, leave them alone till they get glad. Because nothing you can give them will ever be enough. Nothing you can say will ever be enough. Nothing you can do will ever be enough because the Spirit of God is not in control. I dare you to take the words of Jesus on your lips today and live them out in your life. Forgive them. They didn't even know what they were doing. You're separating yourselves from friends that have stood with you just so you can have somebody else to be mad at. I'll tell you who to be mad at, the devil, and take it out on him by winning souls to Jesus. Your life will get a lot happier a lot sooner. Statement number one, Father, now remember last week I told you what they had done to him. He was falsely accused. He was beaten without mercy by those in authority. A lot of folk ought to stop singing to be like Jesus. For it is only when you share with him in his death that you share with him in his resurrection from the dead. We have the ribald 
I'm, I'm coming. Just, just sifting through my words. I'm letting those words sink in. Because what was on the cross was done for one reason, that it could be lived out through every one of us. Well, they lied about me. Boo hoo. What kingdom do you think you're in? Well, they mocked me. Really? They put a purple robe on you? Well, they spoke all manner of evil against me falsely. So persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We have the ribald audacity to attempt to compare our lives right now to that? Father, forgive them. Try it on. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Today that would be interpreted as Jesus said they were unintelligent. That's where we live. If Jesus walked on the water today, he'd be told he was arrogant. He'd be called a racist because he only offered other Jews the ability to walk on water. There's only one way in this kingdom. There is only one way to show that hurting, dying, depressed, depraved, devilish world out there, an answer. The same as Moses beat that serpent in a fire and with a hammer and put it on a pole. So the father crucified his only son and said, if you want to live, there's only one place to look. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Let's have a few more of us riding in the sand and handing the, our brother a stone and say, let the first one among us with no sin cast the first stone. Otherwise, 
Let us draw attention to Jesus and say, he forgave you. He is the biggest thing in my life. His spirit dominates my mind and my heart and my actions. Therefore, I forgive you that I may be forgiven. I wondered if I'd get past number one. If you believe that what I'm saying is the truth, I dare you to share this with every person you know, and I dare you right now to let everybody around you know it with the biggest amen you've given in 17 weeks. This he knows. This Jesus wants us to know today. There is purpose in his pain. And there's purpose in ours. Let me remind us all. He is never going to create a world for you that makes him unnecessary. <laughs> this is why he came. This is why we're here. For God so loved the world, so, that's a big so. One little two-letter word to describe how he loved us. God so there loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Son of God came not into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. <laughs> Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, how I wish in the current culture, in the current climate, that believers in Jesus Christ would simply determine to utter those words to God and to everyone around them. That we would become forgiving regarding all offense, whether real or imagined. Where do we have the right to be unforgiving? Where is that? Well, I'll just tell you. When they ask me for it. What? That would mean 
that God didn't forgive you until you asked him. Excuse me. He died for you in absolute forgiveness before you were ever born, much less asked him for it. Oh, I'm not getting many claps now. We're quiet with our praise now. Because here's how we forgive. I'll forgive when you sufficiently convince me you're sorry. I'll convince you when you, I'll forgive you when you give me back what I lost. So then Jesus has to take you to heaven before he can forgive you. So you don't want to clap because I'm stepping all over the nonsense. And you become so intimidated, so frightened. Well, what if they come after me? What if they say something bad about me? They already are. Are you so naive to think that regardless of your status or station, regardless of the color of your skin or your socioeconomic status or your educational position, that they're not ripping you to shreds. It is a demon spirit. The spirit of division. Just try to get me not to forgive you. That's impossible. Do you know what? Those attempting to hurt you hate more than anything to know that regardless, you've forgiven them. Yeah, but who needs to be forgiven the most? What? What kingdom are you of? I'm talking about God's kingdom. I'm not talking about that mess out there that has tried to be constructed by men without God. We need to start examining how much of God is in an agenda? And see what you're doing right now is you're drawing a line and trying to decide which side of it I'm on because that's what you've been taught. Divide. A bankrupt educational system has caused an entire generation to question. In the 60s, it came about by a spirit. Now it has been 
festering and fostered for 40 years by a bankrupt educational system which has taught you to accept nothing and question every authority. Take the dads out of the home. Murder their offspring. and keep them captive. Here's my message. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The cross it's like the subject of forgiveness. It's vertical. If I do this now, it's vertical and it's horizontal. Vertically, we have been forgiven by God. Horizontally, by his spirit, we are called to forgive everyone around us. Oh, it's a heap and double dose of Holy Ghost. I promise you that. Vertically, we have redemption. Horizontally, we're called to establish relationship. Horizontally, we have kingdom. Or vertically. Horizontally, we have culture. We are in this world, but we are not of it. Vertically, we have grace. Horizontally, we're supposed to have gratitude. We're supposed to be thankful. Vertically, we have righteousness. Horizontally, we must have justice. How can you scream for justice and demand that laws be done away with? How shall you measure justice? In order to have justice, there must be law. In order to have law, there must be penalty. If someone murders someone, prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. A speedy trial. But don't brand everybody Don't, since when do we throw laws away because somebody broke one? Lawlessness is not scriptural. It's not biblical. The first thing God did was give us 10 of them. 
And if we do that, we wouldn't have to worry about the rest. If we just do those two, right now, I call on the church of Jesus Christ to obey the great commandment. You shall first and foremost love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And number two, and number two, you shall be my witnesses. You shall stand up in the midst of the storm and shout peace. Be still. You shall go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. Not your political persuasion. The gospel. Here's how this is supposed to work at Calvary. Vertically, we have salvation. But without stretched arms, we pray for transformation. Can you imagine what the world would be like if every person who claims the name of Christ would treat his neighbor as himself? We wouldn't see the things we see. If I love you, I'm not gonna hurt you, at least knowingly. And if I should happen to stumble, as inevitably we will, and hurt someone, the resounding affirmation coming back is I forgive you. So quiet. Are you watching? Vertically we have faith, horizontally we have faithfulness, Vertically, we have the atonement through which horizontally we exercise forgiveness. It's hard for a daughter somewhere to forgive a father who imposed himself upon her. That's hard. It's hard for a parent to be slapped by a child and cursed. That's hard. It's hard not to go back into the past and bring up, do you know that's what happens in every argument between every wife and husband? The wife burnt the biscuits and the next thing you know, on our third date, you Drop me off in the rain. And then at our wedding rehearsal, your mother was wickedly rude to me. 
everything. Here it all comes. Where do you ever dig out of that? I'll tell you where, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ, the righteous. Just sit and stare at me. Forgive them. I'm closing. I got six more, but I'm closing. Forgive them, say it, try it, try it. Try it, try it. Extends from that cross like rippers, ripples on the ocean of grace. It extends to the jeering, mocking crowds. The call for clemency expands to every son and every daughter of Adam's race in every age, in every place, in every situation, to you and to me, whose transgressions were the consummate cause that bolted him to Calvary's brutal beam. This request of the Father made here in this moment as the atoning blood of his Son begins to be shed, Still ask while these dark and desperate days when so many are in need of forgiveness and mercy, it must continue. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Next week, today, no delay. You will be with me in paradise. Today. Today. That thief was bolted there, a confessed and condemned criminal but before the last breath went out of his wretched body the mutilated Messiah's head is lifted up and those bludgeoned eyes swollen nearly shut and that mouth swollen like a bucket looks at him and says, today, I'm going to paradise and I intend to take you who 15 seconds earlier were cursing me to my bones. I'm going to take you with me because my father has forgiven you, said Jesus. And I, his son, can do no less. May that be our prayer. And everyone who's ever been forgiven, 
right here in this tabernacle, jump straight up on your feet and clap as loud as you can. A praise to God. Who saw you just as you were and loved you still. Father, today let love conquer hate. Overwhelming love. Heal families. Heal separated parents and children. Heal separated fathers from their children. Heal parents at war with each other. Heal our nation. Heal our hearts. We rebuke wickedness and division. We rebuke hurt and pain. We received your forgiveness. May we forgive others. In the name of your son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which it will take, God. Heal our hearts. Heal our minds. Heal our emotions. I rebuke coronavirus. I rebuke you. Spawn of hell, I rebuke you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, no easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.